I want to hear more about the Smokies because I've been looking there and I know you both invest there. Oh, I love the Smokies. Yeah. So tell me more about the city and the area. Yeah. But we should also talk about where we're from. So I'm okay. from Cleveland, lived in New York City, now live in Miami. You're from? I'm from the Bronx, but I now live in Miami. Yeah. So I picked that market because when I did research about 2008 when the housing market crashed and everyone felt the vibes of a recession coming before I picked it, I was like, I want to do this, but I want to do this in a recession proof market. So the Smokies held up amazingly, you know, and they're still holding up now. If you talk to Airbnb operators there right now, and mm -hmm. the regulations are super light and they're very pro business. So I was like, this is my market. I got to do this. So long story short, learned a lot about zoning, learned a lot about like unregulated land. And I wouldn't say completely unregulated land, but got flat land with utilities, septic, a well, and not a lot of trees on it. So now we're building these double A frames, which is really, really cool. But I'm getting an education and development big time. And I, I know you bought a house just turnkey, right? And what turnkey? It came mostly furnished, but it was dated. It, it needed a lot of uh, refreshing. So I spent a whole month there doing that. That's cool. Yeah, I love the game room that you have. Yeah, it wasn't like that. It had an ugly green carpet. Like oh, really? Ugly old sofas it did not look like what it looks like today so it, they had an old pool table so they were using it as a, a game room space but we sort of elevated it yeah that's cool so let, let's go back a little bit because you guys are from new york live in miami yeah how did the smokies come on your radar to even start investing there first how did you i just sort of said a lot of reading and research but what drew you to it so for me i was originally looking for a house in new york when i lived there and then when I moved to Miami, I said, well, let me try to find a house hack here. And I kept analyzing it so that it would cash flow while I lived there. And that was really difficult to find. But in the meantime, I started listening to all these podcasts and watching these YouTube videos. And I saw these videos about how much money these cabins were making in the Smokies. I just thought I couldn't afford one. And so I realized that that would help me get to my goal of quitting my job faster. I said, this is the market. <laughs> this is where everyone's cash flowing. Like you said, it is recession proof. And as a new investor, that was really scary. So I felt that was a safe place to go. And then I found a community and that's how I chose that market. Yeah, I think that that's cool. That's different. I, I found it through books. Like I read a bunch of books on short-term rentals and then some amount of YouTube videos. I'd back it up through like different row built YouTube yeah, videos and right. different mm -hmm. things like that. I'm like, okay, like this looks like a cool market. And actually I did live with someone in New York for a month. I was sub I sublet my unit in Miami at the time I was uh, in a relationship in New York and the person I lived with had 20 cabins in the Smokies. Wow. Yeah. I didn't ever told you girls. No. That. Yeah. He's legit. Um, he was on my podcast once. Elon Portnoy. You go back. He He's legit. And so I would ask him all these questions. And then I, I kind of between him, the YouTube videos and mm -hmm. the books, I'm like, I'm doing this. Mm hmm. So now we're building these double A frames, which is really, really cool. Well, let's yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. So how did you decide to do new construction versus buy turnkey? So I thought that buying turnkey would have been the fastest way to do it. But at the time that this happened, my family's business was getting wound down. So I built all my skills that related to being good at that business to at the time. And that business was consumer products. We we're like a top three Home Depot supplier in the world. And so I had a lot of skills around what you need to be good at to do that type of job. So as I was reinventing myself, I'm like, I need to learn more skills. I was like, I bought duplexes before. I'm like, okay, I know how to do that. Okay, now it's a DSCR loan and not something else. Fine. DSCR loan for those 
listening is the type of loan that goes on an Airbnb property uh, or VRBO. So I was like, I need more skills. I need more hard and soft skills to like for the next few decades of my life. And I felt like if I learned development, number one, I would have a really amazing skill. It's hard to learn. And we're going to get into that, but that I also could design it even more uniquely. Like if I, cause if I build a ground up, Oh man, the exterior, not just the interior design, but the exterior design is on me. And I was like, I can crush that. So that's my, I hope that wasn't too long of an answer. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that seems so intimidating to me. Yeah. So you're in the process of doing that right now, yeah. right? The new build, what are the top three challenges that you're going through right now? It's good to simplify things, but I would say that every day is hard. So I have to remind myself that as I'm doing it, that there's a really good end game in the end that I'll have this skill. I really want the skill. Mm-hmm. I want to acquire the skill even more than the money. I want the skill because I know it's not just going to be one house. But the top three, I would say contract negotiations. What needs to go in the contract is a big deal. I didn't know. And I've done other videos about this where you have a list of items that they say they're going to do. And they may have a clause in there that you don't really realize on the first, second or third reading that it's going to ding your invoices way, way up and you have to pay them. So I've got an education on how contracts are need to be structured. So that's one. We can get into details on each one if you want. Number two is keeping the, the project moving and on schedule. There are different technical documents to make mm-hmm. sure that that's the case, that they're keeping on time. Actually, in the contract, you're supposed to put a drop dead um, like due date on the job, which I didn't have originally. We just redid, we just redid the contract to have that. Scary that I didn't have that. I'm being very open about my rookie mistakes. And what would be the third? The third mistake, probably not knowing that there had to be a middle person between me and and whoever was doing the work. Because even say I, we bought the Den Outdoors drawings for the A-frame. Shout out to Den Outdoors. Beautiful. If you've ever seen them, they're really, really nice. So we used that as the basis. We modified it to be a double A-frame, but we used it. Gorgeous. If you ever, whoever's listening, go online, check out Den Outdoors. Because I didn't know what to look for from an excavation or the general contractor mm-hmm. standpoint. There were things that I missed. Mm-hmm. There's a crawl space underneath the house, certain deep things of concrete. I just wasn't aware of it. And now I have a person between me and the different people on site, which is very helpful. So we don't miss anything. So what's their role exactly? Who's the middle person that you have? The middle person works for the architecture firm and he's not quite, he's more overseeing the contract and communicating the contract and Mm -hmm. invoices to right now, which is just the excavation company. But he'll also do that for the person that is going to be erecting the house. And the house is being shipped next week, by the way. Oh, wow. So that's crazy. That's a whole nother saga that's coming in. I have so much like I can teach after this. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> like yeah. I, could, I, I could sell a course just on this. But uh, I hope that wasn't too long-winded. No, no. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of challenges with new construction. Yeah, I can't. Can. Do you need someone on site sort of? ensuring that things are staying on schedule probably if i had to do it over again i would have someone like on staff there every day but right now we don't how are you checking on that now just like communicating now this guy this administrator who works for the architecture firm we're going to have him go there like once a week okay and just check you can't check every day Mm -hmm. right he had an idea he's like why don't you put a camera up on the (laughs) barn and you'll know if they're there yeah and I'm like, that's kind of like why I didn't want to put a camera inside my Airbnbs. 
before it felt like a little predatory yeah and like yeah. potentially illegal yeah i don't even know <laughs> if that's allowed yeah but 100%. I, I have one on my like the front entrance and that's how i make sure that you know whoever i hire is actually showing up and doing their job i don't watch it all the time like i don't watch it anymore but yeah i make sure like my lot the person who cuts the lawn that they actually went and came and yeah, yeah. did it yeah. <laughs> yeah i have a ring camera on my, yeah you also do yeah yeah yeah. Legend. I love Amazing. that thing. I think that's like one of the top three things you need. You need it. Yeah. You can absolutely. literally talk to people from it. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, I've done it. I've had some very interesting guests <laughs> that I've talked to when they're checking in. Oh, I haven't done that. But <laughs> <laughs> like contractors. And yeah. Or contra- someone dropping something off. I'm like, you can leave it on the porch. It's fine. They're like. <laughs> I let one night stays on my Cleveland property this month, which I probably shouldn't have done. But you see some funny, funny things. Because people that want Airbnb, they want privacy. Let's just leave it at that. I think someone taught me, they said, if you pay attention to your cameras, you might sell your house like in a year or something like that. Because some yeah. people just get so stressed. I'm like, I don't care. Like, the bills are getting paid. <laughs> just don't burn the house down. <laughs> I, t- I totally agree with that. But, but the house... We ordered the materials for the house. So it's in between, I would call it a hybrid prefab modular. I don't know. I'm not sure if you could say it. It's part stick built, part not. It's hard to really, I don't really quite know what to call it. And they're assembling it, assembling it at the land. It takes about 45 days to ship. So 45 days from maybe like Wednesday of next week, which is time recording it. We're talking about mid-May. Okay. Right. Yeah. Soon, like a month and a half. Then. So a month and a half from mid-May. So the next time, you know, we could be doing another recording, and it's gonna be the house is already being it's up or it's being put up, or which is really exciting. I'm sure I'll learn a lot more when once the house is being put mm-hmm. up. The house is already paid for, so we bought the house. Mm-hmm. Now we just have to select the correct builder to just do the erection of the house. You and don't so, have that yet. You don't have a builder. We have bids. Okay. Okay. But we haven't selected who we're going to do it yet. And we're still trying to get through this excavation thing. But these are all the things I learned on excavation. And I'm learning as I go. And I think the lessons that I just said on the excavation apply to the builder. Got it. I would say going to something new that you don't know about, putting as many layers in to limit you. I was a basketball fan, dribbling the ball off your foot is a good idea because like you're not going to know when you look at construction drawings for an example like i'll just very technical you have the den outdoors drawings then you have the factory's drawings that are based off the den outdoors drawings i'm reading it i don't know what to look for i don't know concretes over here i don't know about where the screws and the bolts go i, I don't know are they included or not included these are things that people are asking me now and i'm like ah so when i'm getting ready in the morning it feels i would say emotionally feels like every day you don't know what you're doing, mm. but I very, my approach has been, if I make a mistake, even in front of people that we're paying, I, I will be like, I made the mistake. Like I'll fall on the sword. And I'm trying to like, obviously still do that by limiting our expenses. Like you don't want to say that. And then they feel like they can draw on you. But I would say looking back, I probably should have put those people in place or known to look for those people before and inevitably i think there have been less arguing over expenses which is what happened i hope that's a good explanation (laughs) yeah 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 it kind of ties into like the mindset thing because obviously you had a lot of challenges you have a lot of challenges that you're going through you've probably had challenges starting your short-term rental business when you get to that point when you have these challenges sometimes people just give up and they're like this is way too hard i can't do this anymore like i don't know how people do this 
what is pushing you or what pushed you to get to the end where now it's like it's running, it's successful, or you're going to get to that point or you know you will kind of that mindset. Such a good question. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely had days. This is my first purchase. I didn't own a property before that. So it was really scary. That's so beast. I had days where I was like, am I really going to pull this off? Like, I remember telling someone, I was like, what if I curl up into a ball and I just don't do anything? And they were like, you're not going to do that. But I think what I I couldn't give up, right? Like, I went this far. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like I had been talking about it to all my friends and family and and to myself. And I just felt like I had to see this through. Even even Mm -hmm. today, right? It's been running for over a year. It's been running well. But I made mistakes, too. And some days I'm like, oh, did I really like mess this up? What's something that, that you wish you would have seen beforehand? <laughs> like one thing. So one thing that I did, and yeah. I always talk about this, is I didn't set a clear budget of what I was going to spend. And so I had maybe a number in my head, but I, I didn't have a budget. And I knew that I was going to be leveraging credit card debt for my updates. And I, instead of taking out a new card, 0% interest credit card, which would have been the smart thing to do because I had a plan to pay it back, right? Maybe after a year or so, I just used my current cards and I used like four different cards. So now I had a bookkeeping nightmare and now I had high interest rates that were difficult to transfer to, to low debt. And so that really set me back a bit. So that was a mistake. It was a bookkeeping nightmare. It was high interest rates. Um, That was a huge mistake that I made. That's such a powerful lesson though, because, and you hear this all the time with people that credit cards are so bad. Don't get a new credit card. Don't do this. Don't put money on credit cards, you know, all this stuff. And you have this tool that you can use now that you've learned it, Mm -hmm. that it's 0% for 18, 12 to 18 months or something. So you're basically borrowing money for free. Right. And you're not paying anything. And I guess for listeners, like that's an option for people. Don't think that credit cards are always bad, just as long as you're doing it the right way. And yeah, yeah, that's a huge. huge Yeah, I agree. As long as you have a plan. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had a way to pay it back. Like I had I did a cost segregation study, so I could have easily paid it back. But I had I just didn't know how to leverage that. And at the time I was worried about getting another inquiry, which was not a big deal. And instead I ended up tanking my credit score because now I maxed out all my credit cards. I've mm-hmm. gotten out of that since, but for a long time it was kind of, it hit my ego because I was like, did I just like turn a, a good deal into a terrible one, you know? Mm-hmm. But what I realized is that this is a long-term hold. And so maybe I didn't cash flow as much the first year. Cool. I'm going to hold the property. It'll be fine. Yeah. Well, you're going to do great. Yeah. We're here for you. Yeah. And you and it looked and the property looks great and it was designed it great. Yeah. You did a great job. It looks awesome. Yeah. To make you feel better, I did a lot of um risky stuff to start the yeah. fetch it business. Yeah. And I just want to pull on one of your points. There is a point of no return <laughs> when you do these things. So I wanna just tug on that thread. So with fetch it and with the development, which are separate. Mm-hmm. They're not connected at all. Mm-hmm. The only thing that connects them is that I realized the problems in short-term rentals that were complicated and I wanted to solve that with Fetch It. My friends tell me all the time, like, you're crazy for doing these two things at once. Right? But I would say, looking back, there is a point where you, you hit certain challenges, but you've gone a certain, you've gone a, a certain amount down the way. It's like, what, are you going to stop? Mm-hmm. Then what, right? Yeah, and I would say, like, on the Fetch It side, most of our customers come through social media. 
And what I realized is like, okay, like in my account metrics, I'm going 20% month over month, which is actually really high. But naively, when you before you start, you think, oh, viral videos, a zillion. No, nah, it's like it's a little bit like better, 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 better. So you're not just there. It, when they say there's no overnight thing, now I look back, I'm like, I get it. Yeah, you can grow twenty percent, twenty five percent, unless something. At one point, you'll have an outlier event, but for a long time, you'll have that. And so my customer growth is also connected to that follower growth. And the same thing with the development, right? It's like I just had a two hour like ass whooping this morning trying to get the job on track and i'm like what am i going to do not complete the job we own the mm-hmm. land that we've we've done a certain amount of it already the house is coming in from china what i'm going to do quit <laughs> and what it what it does for me is like when calls are not going well and i'm getting like if people are insulting me on the phone which happened today by the way well well the owner doesn't know what he, you know, what he's doing or, you know, you know, he doesn't know what he wants. I'm kind of like, I don't really care unless the good job gets done. So I'm not like, mm-hmm. you don't, your ego almost gets put to the side. Cause you're like, all mm-hmm. right, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Fine. But like, how do we get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? You kind of like your emotions almost get put on a bookshelf. Yeah. Cause it's like, you're going to tell your friends and family that you're like going to quit. You right. Know, yeah. Gonna yeah. This far. You're going to stop yeah. posting. Yeah. You're going to just stop working on fetch it. It's like, no, you're going to. You're obviously going to keep going. And I think that's, I don't know if anyone ever admits, like that's probably why some entrepreneurs have to keep going because mm-hmm. there's no choice. They're, they're on the boat. Everything behind them is is burnt down. And it's like you got to get to the island. You know? Yeah. you know what I mean? That's such a good analogy to it too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the saying, um, you only fail if you give up, right? Yeah, for sure. And I and I re- I relate to what you're talking about, like leveraging debt to start the business. I get it. Yeah, I get it. You and you've never told me about that, there's, but I, I I did that too. Yeah, I'm okay with it, right? But there's a way to do it, and I'm still learning so much from that. I'm glad I made that mistake, right? I learned a lot from it. Yeah, you. Yeah, you did. I, as your friend, I'm proud of you. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, your short term rental looks great. It looks like yeah. amazing. It does well, right? Um, the other challenges. The expenses are very high. It's an older home. The maintenance is high. Um, I think that vendors in that area, they know that yeah. we're, we rely on them. We're not there. Mm-hmm. So sometimes those service costs can get very pricey. And what I'm learning is that there's a strategy to that as well. Maybe I need to, you know, what they call stack the the small things that need to get done and have one service call instead of calling a, a maintenance person every single time something goes wrong. So mm-hmm. that's something that I'm trying this year. It's the kind of thing that like makes me like wish you, you know, you see the people like buy small businesses, buy small business. I always think like those are really cool markets if you were to own it. But I, you know, I haven't looked into that. I, I, don't, I would have to own so many cabins in that area before even thinking about that. But you can imagine some of those service businesses do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For Amazing. sure. My maintenance person, first of all, I don't know what you're, I do want to talk about your experience in the Smokies when it comes to like contractors and vendors because... There, I have stories, right? Um, there's so much demand. There's so many of us, like investors and, and owners there, and there's so many small businesses, and they are not all very reliable. So I learned the hard way. I would call five people, and whoever showed up, showed up. I have a good one. I have my, my boots-on-the-ground person is the son of a host camper. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, big deal. That's yeah. like legend because... 
and we connected right off the cuff. So if he he needs to go there, he goes there. You know what I mean? And it that, that's very helpful. Now you're talking about like specific services. Yeah, I realize that the Smokies is and tell me what your experience is. It's very relationship based. Totally, they want to meet you, shake your hand. Yeah, and and I would say, like I just came back from there last week, and the guy from the architecture firm, his name's Mike, that he's going to be working with the excavators and then with the builder, that person that I realized that I needed in between. I had to go there to meet him. I don't think I would have been able to accomplish that, secure that relationship mm-hmm. unless like I went there. As somebody, I would say, as a person who I'm not a New Yorker, but I would say I definitely feel like I have more of that energy, that East Coast, like fast. But just it's annoying to somebody from that culture to like have to go and do that. Like, but I will say that if it wasn't for my architect who I met in person, mm-hmm. I'd be screwed. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for this person that I met in person, that, that, that if it wasn't for Mike, who's going to be between me and all the different contractors, I'd be screwed. Mm-hmm. The contract would be screwed. I wouldn't know what to put in the contract. I wouldn't know to put a time limit in the contract. I wouldn't know to use these AIA forms, which is like how to itemize the different expenses that come up. I wouldn't know it. So in a way, it's like it's annoying to have to go there to meet everybody, to establish that relationship and make it reliable and strong, like concrete. Mm-hmm. But it kind of becomes like, it feels like something that's going to exist for years if you get it. Mm-hmm. So it's annoying to go to go to go to the mountains. Like before, obviously, I have to go pay for their Airbnb. Right. Yeah. Flights are expensive there. It's expensive. They're never. By the way, round trip always like five hundred something. One hundred percent. To Knoxville. Yes. By the way, I flew into Charlotte. It wasn't that much cheaper, and I had to drive four hours there and back. Oh when God. I got back to Miami, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. I go once a year, car rental, flight. And then I have dogs. I take my dog. Oh, for real? Forget it. Yeah. So like, That's cool. <laughs> That's cool.